thought I'd just share with you my last few hours. Woke up this morning about 3.45 to Elena, realizing Elena had the stomach bug. And um, so I couldn't go back to sleep after that, and so I decided around 5 o'clock or so to come on up to the church and spend some time here. And then I realized I forgot something, so I came back home. Elena was still getting sick, and um, and then while in the process of that, I heard her say, will you give me a kiss? <laughs> and so I laughed, and she didn't return the laugh, and so I thought, okay, what do I do here uh, laying down my life for my wife? And, and so I, I walked over closer to her, and I realized that she was saying, I need you to get the kids. So, um, so, can't tell you how relieved I was for my wife not wanting to kiss me at that moment. So, um, but I realized then that I was going to have to uh, get the kids ready and everything. And so, I got the kids up. And there's nothing that makes you appreciate your wife more than when you try to get them dressed for church and get their hair ready and all of those things. And so I get them ready and get them all here to church, and I'm late for Sunday school. And, I get, and it, it's not long after, and most of you who are in Sunday school realize this, and then realize my baby, Lily, um, also had the stomach bug in the nursery. So uh, thankful to Charlotte for taking her home. And so there are two girls at my house, very sick. And Ellie's with me and Samuel Jake's in the nursery. So now that you feel very sorry for me, and <laughs> I want to open us in prayer. But first, I just want to mention that we're going to be in First Thessalonians, and we have been over the last couple of weeks. You've noticed Kevin has been preaching through some of the minor prophets, and two weeks ago he preached through Obadiah, and then last week through Jonah. I was here last week, the week before I was not, but I did listen to it online. And so appreciated his, both of his messages, and um, I hope that you did as well. And so just in the life of our church right now, I think it's an exciting thing that we are, um, the times that Kevin is preaching, he is going through the minor prophets and really exposing us to that part of God's Word. And then in Sunday school right now, we are going through the book of Genesis. Also, the youth are going to be going through the book of Genesis as well on Wednesday nights and uh, and now we're going to be in First Thessalonians, and I think this is an excellent, uh, excellent letter for us to go through, especially as I've read over it the last year or so a number of times. And, and a few years ago, I remember hearing on the radio, Chuck Swindoll said that a book that is often overlooked to preach through, that every church should make sure, or every pastor should make sure that he preaches through, is First Thessalonians. And so ever since then, that has been in my uh, in my mind that I needed to give attention to it. We're going to be there, and we're going to start in chapter 1, and we're, I'm going to read verses 1 through 10 for us. But let me open us now in prayer. God, thank you for, in the context of praise and worship, you have allowed us to recognize our need for you, that we need you every hour. Oh, what that would do for us if we truly recognize that. 
Oh, oh, how that would change my life if I could recognize that every hour, every moment, I need you. Father, I pray that you would give us eyes for what is real, ears for what is truly real. Lord, that you would work in our hearts in such a way that we would, in fact, know that we're desperate for your presence and your love, for your voice, for your attention, for your hands of mercy and grace, for your justice. Father, I pray that that would be, in one sense, very heavy on our hearts. And then in another sense, it would offer so much wonderful freedom. And Father, as, Lord, there are some in our church, including my own family, that are dealing with sicknesses and pain. Lord, we lift them up to you and ask for your care for them. Lord, we pray that you would work in their bodies and in their minds to bring healing and comfort Father, I pray that you would use our church to be a part of your hands and feet as we seek to serve and love those that are around us and those that we hold dear and even those that um, may need our presence for the first time. Lord, that you would lead us their way and put them in our path. And then, Father, give us a heart to serve those that are in great need. Father, as we look at First Thessalonians today and over the next number of weeks. Father, fill us with your spirit. Lord, I pray that you would do a transforming work. Lord, that we would not fail to see Christ as he is portrayed in the Bible. Lord, that you would allow us to see him as, as he is. And then that you would allow us to embrace him as our Savior as he embraces us. Lord, we thank you so much for our church, for the work that you're doing here, for the way that you have chosen to lead us and reveal things to us. Father, I pray that that growth would continue and that there would be a new measure of your spirit, new measure of your grace given to us, Lord as we serve your purposes and as we um, look for our place in the kingdom. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, 1 Thessalonians, start, 1 Thessalonians starting in verse 1 of chapter 1, keeping this in mind that God's electing grace is inseparable from gospel power. God's electing grace is inseparable from gospel power. Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace. We give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you. Because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. You know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake. And you became imitators of us and of the Lord. 
For you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and in Achaia. For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere, so that we need not say anything. For they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you, and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God, and to wait for His Son from heaven, whom He raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. This is the word of the Lord. So here's where we're going today when we're looking at the truth that God's electing grace is inseparable from gospel power. And if you follow along on the screen, you will see we're going to look at these three things that defined this church in Thessalonica that Paul made very clear here. First, the their receiving of the message in the midst of suffering. And we see that in verse 6. And then we're also going to see the message that is going forth and their fruit of repentance and of faith. And I want to focus a moment before I get to number one to just look at this phrase that Paul is saying here about the gospel that came to them in power. So, And he makes it very clear. The gospel didn't just come to you in words, but I'm giving thanks that the gospel came to you not just in word, but in power. So in other words, not just the message, not just the announcement of the gospel, not even just the preaching of the gospel or the scrolls that they may have had access to that had the gospel in them, but more than that came to Thessalonica. And more than that came to this church because the gospel came in power and with the Holy Spirit and in full conviction. A couple of Christmases ago, Samuel Jake, we noticed that he was, he paid a lot of attention to the guitars. And he would want to come in here and look at the guitars after church and he would ask to see them. And so we recognized he really liked them and we saw a little toy guitar that we wanted to get him for Christmas. And so we got him this guitar and it had buttons on it and colors and lights up and things, things like this. And so he opened it up on Christmas Day and I, the night before I thought that I had supplied it with batteries. And so he opened the guitar up and he looked at it and he goes, whoa. And he took it out and he kind of fooled around with it for maximum 30 seconds. And then he set it aside and he was looking at it, wanted to look at his other gifts. I thought, I really thought he would really get into that guitar more. And so I walked over and I said, Samuel Jake, look at this. And he just wasn't interested. And I realized the buttons weren't doing anything, lights weren't coming on. So put the batteries in. And then this guitar went from something that he was interested in for 30 seconds to me wanting to take the batteries back out. So he, <laughs> he played it all the time. And he was engaged with it and enamored with it and he loved this guitar day after day he wanted to see it light up he wanted to see it make noise and he wanted to um, believe that he was making music with this guitar before it was almost as if he got this guitar in only one aspect what Paul is saying is the gospel didn't just come in just one aspect but the gospel came in its fullness and it came with power it came with batteries it came charged, ready to do a great work. And it came ready to get the people of Thessalonica's attention. 
And so that's what I want to ask us now as, just in, as we begin here. Does the gospel get and then keep your attention? Does it make some noise? Does it light up a room? Does it get other people around you interested? So in other words, does it excite some and then does it offend others? Because that's what this little guitar did. It would excite some for a moment and then it would start to... Does the gospel excite some, the gospel that's in your life, and then does it offend others? So if we can't answer yes to those questions, we really need to start wondering, okay, has the gospel just come in one aspect or has it come in word, power, and the Holy Spirit in full conviction? Now, some of those things sound intangible. They they, they say those, you may say those sound good. But what else, how do we discover that or how do we know that? Now, there are probably some things that happened in this church and in this city that are not mentioned here that Paul is writing about. There were probably things that happened that were amazing when the gospel came in power and in the Holy Spirit. But what Paul actually does do in the first chapter here is he goes down a list of reasons why he knows and why he's convinced that God has chosen them and this church and this city to receive the gospel in power. And and this list includes the things that I mentioned earlier because he saw that they have received and embraced this message in the midst of their suffering. He sees that the message has gone forth and he is also seeing the fruit of repentance and faith. And I want to mention here, just about Thessalonica, Thessalonica for a moment, This, when Paul first arrived in this city, there was a synagogue here. And Paul actually went in and he preached in this synagogue and people believed the gospel message when he preached. And what we also know from the book of Thessalonians, also the book of Acts, is that there... Uh, he also reached outside the walls of the synagogue to most likely uh, people who were practicing pagan religions. And he started sharing the gospel with them and they began to come into the faith. And so through these efforts, there was a church planted in Thessalonica. Now as Paul moved on from there, he began to get word that there were some things going on that were concerning. One of those things was that people started to have a misunderstanding about the end times. There were people in their church that were dying in their midst. And they were worried that they had missed out on the return of Christ. And so Paul's hearing some of these things that are going on, and so he sends Timothy to Thessalonica to check on the church, to minister to them, and to maybe clear up misunderstandings that they may have, they may have had. And so what we find out is that Timothy comes back to Paul to report to him these things. And so he, Paul is addressing based on the report that Timothy gave, he is addressing these things in this letter to the Thessalonians. And so he is, the first thing that he wants to do is to tell them how thankful he is that God is at work in their midst and that he's, in, he's at work in a powerful way. And the first thing that he does to describe this work is in verse 6 when he says, And you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit. So this is an interesting affirmation for Paul that he sees. This is one reason I know that the gospel has come here with power because you received 
the word in much affliction. So what didn't happen was that they heard Paul preach or that they listened to Timothy as he ministered to them and they didn't say, okay, that may be true, but I'm still miserable. Or they didn't respond with saying, okay, that sounds like a good thing, but what's in it for me? Instead, Paul is saying here that they believed the message of the gospel, they believed in the person and the work of Jesus Christ, and they experienced great joy, even though they were in the midst of their affliction, they experienced it. There can be a tendency for us to want to know what we can get out of our relationship with Jesus, that that's our initial pull, that that's our initial draw. But what the gospel tells us, and what Paul is saying here, that it was proof of gospel power, is that they were in much affliction, they were in much suffering, and they loved the gospel because what it told them was is that Christ entered into their suffering where they were and had fellowship with them in their affliction. So they weren't saying, okay, I hear, the, I hear what you're saying, Paul, but what's in it for me? Can Jesus get me out of this place that I'm in? Instead, they recognized their suffering, but they recognized that Jesus would enter into fellowship in their suffering. So the whole point of this is to recognize, yes, we will have an inheritance one day that will be immeasurable in value. But the power of the gospel brings the joy of the Holy Spirit because Jesus Christ meets us here in our brokenness, in our suffering. And, while, and even while we're in that, He brings us joy. He brings us peace. And He brings us a, even a greater longing to be with Him. That's gospel power when we're able to receive the message and when we're able to embrace Christ even in the midst of our suffering. Something else that Paul noticed and Paul was thankful for is that the message of the gospel was going forth from Thessalonica. And we see this in verses 7 and 8 where Paul says, So that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere so that we need not say anything. So here's what Paul is hearing about. And here's what he is even witnessing in his own journeys. That the lives of the Thessalonian church have gotten the attention of the whole province of Macedonia and the whole province of Achaia. So Thessalonica is the capital of Macedonia, which is probably the size of something we would consider like a state. And then the southern province is Achaia. And so what Paul is noticing is that from this church, this gospel, this message has now begun to spread and it's gone throughout the state or the province of Macedonia. And then it's flooded down into this southern province of Achaia. And so hundreds of thousands of people are being witnessed to about this gospel power. And they're also seeing the different lives, the examples of the Thessalonians, what has happened to them. And they're responding to this. All the believers throughout this area are responding to it and then spreading this forth. So I want us to know what Paul is saying here and what's going on even in the life of Paul. This is most likely, he's writing this letter at the end of his second missionary journey 
or at the beginning of his third missionary journey. And so as he is traveling throughout the regions that are connected with Macedonia and Achaia, he is going to people and he's sharing the gospel with them. And most likely what's happening is they're saying, yes, we heard about that. We heard about that from the Thessalonians. And we heard that you were with the Thessalonians. We heard that they learned this from you. And so that's why Paul says here, so that we need not say anything. So he's going and he's realizing they've heard the gospel. They've believed. They've received it in their affliction. This is the work of the Thessalonian church, which I was a part of planning. So you can see how thrilled Paul was. I had a high school basketball coach who had a unique way of encouraging us when we were doing things right in practice or when things seemed to really be clicking on all cylinders. He would very often, very with a lot of enthusiasm when a shot was made or when a good pass was made or when a steal was made in practice, he would, he would just very enthusiastically say, you don't even need me here. I can go home. Because he was so excited with what his team was doing and how they were performing and being effective. And in a sense, this is what Paul is saying. He's saying, I'm going to these cities and they don't need me because you're there. You have sent this message forth and you have made sure that, is, that this is going out. This is how Paul knows that God's love has fallen on the Thessalonians. This is how he knows that the gospel has come to them in great power. He also knows this. And he hears about and he recognizes a fruit of repentance and faith. And when I mention that, it's important to see that what Paul is understanding is that he is seeing ongoing repentance and ongoing faith in the life of the Thessalonians, in the life of this church. Now, a major issue in this time period, in this region, when the gospel would come into an area, and we see this clearly in the book of Romans and in the book of Acts, when the gospel would come into an area, they would hear the message, they would often receive it, and then they would integrate it with their lifestyle, with their religion. And so Christianity began getting integrated with pagan worship and customs, things of that nature. What Paul is seeing in the Thessalonians is that they, that they are turning away from idols. They're not integrating the Christian faith with the practices of pagan religion. Fact, they are turning from those things. They're leaving them behind. And so Paul is emphasizing how thankful he is to hear these reports that, the, that this church is not a church of Christianity slash paganism, but in fact this is a church that worships Christ alone as Lord, that sees Him as Savior and sees Him as their only hope. So, they're not, seeing, they're not looking to God to supply some of their needs or to worship Him in part while they worship other things or God. They have turned from those things. And I want us to connect this point with the second point because for this to spread like it has, it was necessary. And it, w it actually would have been completely impossible for it to do this otherwise. It was necessary for the people that were looking at the Thessalonians, even the other churches that were seeing them, they had to see that they looked entirely different, that there was no integration, 
that in fact they were leaving idols, practices behind. So, this brings us to this question. What would our letter say? If we received a letter, what would it say? Would our letter have a concern that we've integrated our Christian faith with the gods of the Western world or Americanized gods? Do we look only to Christ and to Christ's return as the Thessalonians did? Do we see Christ as our only hope or do we look for other things or do we get wooed by other offers of this region and this age? Would we receive the same type of letter or would our letter be a letter of concern? Do we look to heaven? Is heaven our hope? Are our our eyes fixed on the reigning Christ? So what would our letter say? If I received a letter at my home, what would my letter say? And I ask that question because this can be a warning or an encouragement to us for us to lay down the gods of the Western world to turn from those things and turn only unto Christ in repentance and in faith. Paul saw true repentance, ongoing repentance. Paul saw true faith, ongoing faith, and he said, God has loved you. God has given you His gospel in power. And this is how I know that. Romans 1.16 Many of you know this verse says, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation for all who believe. As we pray for, and as we desire the message of the life and death and resurrection of Christ to be united, so not just in word, but to be united with the person of the Holy Spirit. So the message of the person of the Christ to be united with the person of the Holy Spirit as we pray for and as we Desire that, I am certain, as certain as Paul was about the Thessalonians, that we will recognize and we will identify with the church that we find here in this first chapter. Let's pray now together. Father, it is clear and we're thankful that you have given us your word. Father, we are also assured that you have chosen to bring your word and bring the gospel to us in power. Father, I pray that you would continue to do that. Give us even a greater measure of that. That we would be more and more drawn to the power that is in this word. That we would long more and more for for Christ to meet us in our affliction and our suffering to recognize that he offers joy there Father I pray that there would be so much joy from that that it would spread that it would go out amongst our community and that surrounding communities would recognize the gospel in power Father, I pray, Lord, that you would work in us ongoing repentance and ongoing faith 
where we constantly, consistently turn away from the things that woo us and take our eyes off of you and that we would turn unto you and embrace you through your son. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.